What is up, y'all? This is another Three Rings podcast or a 3RP. Um, today, we got AJ Griffin, small forward out of Duke, um, 6'6", 220, uh, guy freshman coming in. Um, just want to let y'all remember it before we get any further to like and subscribe. Um, and we're going to dive into this draft profile. So a little bit about him. You know, he's got pretty decent athleticism. Like I said, 6'6", 220, a little bit on the bulkier side, got a pretty big frame. Um, but yeah, he's got good athleticism. He got a seven foot wingspan, which is pretty appealing to me. Um, but yeah, he really plays that role well. But his one elite thing that he came into college with is an elite shooter. Um, and that's something that he does and does well. And, you know, he projects to be a good three and D guy. And, um, you know, you're talking about other guys from Duke that have been three and D guys, uh, you know, like a Luke Kennard, if you will, that didn't really pan out or, you know, I mean, I guess Cam Reddish to an extent, um, not as much of a three and D, but, you know, wing kind of guy that can shoot. So, yeah, that's what we're looking at today. Um, does either one of you want to start about other, you know, offensive things or, you know, positives from A.J. Griffin that you saw this season? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, offensively and the biggest thing honestly with this whole game like you already mentioned is that he's a great shooter like a really 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 good shooter of the basketball he shot 44.7 percent from three in college 80 percent from the line 55 percent in two-point field goal attempts and so that's pretty impressive and that's something that will always translate to the league I mean we always talk about it on this podcast of how you can make a lot of money in the NBA being a good shooter. And that's AJ Griffin, you know, with his shot, it's a little weird, the mechanics of it, if you watch it, because he has an extremely wide base that he shoots off of. And when I say wide base, by the way, I just mean his feet, they're really far from each other and really wide. And so it kind of causes his shot to be a little bit slow, but it worked out for him at the college level in the ACC. And so I think it'll be fine in the NBA, but it is something to look at. And I think something that maybe some teams will try to shore up a little bit because you can't shoot very slow in the NBA and be successful. And so he, you know, maybe they try to shorten his width when he shoots it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a good shot in college, very good shot. Certainly the percentages were there. I mean, when you shoot 45% from three in college, that is really impressive. And I'll also say he's really good off catch and shoot opportunities. He shot 45.7% from the field in catch, catch and shoot. And so that's also something that a lot of NBA teams love because the NBA is all about, you know, screen off ball movement there. Of course, there's a lot of isolation and so on, but especially when you're a wing type of player, like AJ Griffin would be in the NBA you got to be great in the catch and shoot. And that's exactly what he does. So I think he kind of, when you look at his offense, it just, it reminds me of the perfect kind of three and D type of player. 
Yeah, I would also just add like, like you said, his scoring at Duke. You know, I was really impressed by the um by his shots in the mid range. You know, we always just assume you know a player just shoots really good from three, just three and D. But at Duke, yeah, he got a lot of shots in the mid range, and they weren't just um spot up like you know catch and shoot from mid range. These were off the dribble. And that gives you kind of some hope that there's an element of creation um in his arsenal for his scoring weapons. Also. He's also quite good at finishing in the finishing in the paint. There's a lot of times where he was able to make a lot of tough finishes. And that was definitely something that I was impressed. Like, I, honestly, at his like peak, I think if everything went right, you, you are potentially looking at someone that's almost a three level score. Now, there is like a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on, such as such as, you know, creating this stuff off the dribble, at least from the three point line. I think that was something where he struggled with. But I like his I like his game on the offense. I think he's he's pretty impressive. There is there is also though the consideration that at Duke he's playing, I wouldn't say a loaded roster, but he definitely wasn't the number one guy. That was Paulo and they had a lot of other guys that I'm sure Aiden can probably name that <laughs> I don't know, but he was he was his role kind of expanded as we got later in the season. And that's something that scouts and I guess for us is something to be a little concerned of is is this high efficiency just because he was hidden as like the fourth, third or fourth guy on the team where I know he's number one too, but at least in Duke, he was like the third or fourth guy. Is that something which comes to the NBA and maybe if he has expectations of being at his ceiling, an all-star, how is he, is there more to his game? You know, is there more to his game than what we saw at Duke or was Duke kind of hiding some of his deficiencies? I think that's the key question for AJ Griffin. Yeah, and I kind of forgot about this, but I I kept thinking I, I need to start with this, but I never said it. I, um, he was injured um, to start the season at Duke. So he kind of, you know, obviously he was there at practice, everything, but he kind of got through, through into it um, during the, the middle of the season. So, yeah, but I do think, you know, we'll, we'll get into his, his uh, you know, potential later. But I do think that might help a little bit just in terms of, you know, I don't see him being a number one or number two option on a team at the moment, at least. Um, I mean, I don't know any playoff teams that have three and D guys as their ideal number two option. Um, obviously, Mikhail Bridges was uh, because Aiton was kind of sleeping and Devin Booker was hurt, so that was kind of the Suns thing this year. But, yeah, I digress. But, you know, the injury thing, I mean, is that a serious concern uh, considering he was injured in high school and college multiple times um, at both levels? And, you know, obviously he was only at Duke for six months and he had multiple injuries, so – is that a, the, a concern? Like, how much of a concern is that? Is that going to hurt his stock that much? Because a lot of scouts, and even I think that he could potentially be a top 10 player in his class all said and done. But is that enough to be like, yeah, he's completely out of the lottery or, you know, maybe a team like the Pacers or – Whoever is at seven, I can't remember. Portland. Um, Portland. Uh, yeah, Portland's. There's no way Portland's taking that pick. We'll just move on. Pick eight, Pelicans. You know, 
is that seriously going to be a factor where it's like, yeah, we like his game. We think, you know, talent wise, we take him at six or eight, but he's just so injury prone that we can't do it. I think it's not, it's going to hurt him. His injury history will hurt him. There's no doubt, but I don't think he's like damaged goods to say, if you know what I mean. And that obviously it's unfortunate that he's had all of these knee injuries in the past. I mean, <clears throat> at the end of his high school career, I think he sprained his left knee and then he sprained or dislocated the right one in the preseason for Duke. He did play in every game for them. But if you look at his game log, it wasn't until December that he got more than like 20 minutes, like for every game after that, because, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. He only had like 10 minutes against Kentucky he only had six against Gonzaga and only two against Ohio State. And so what does that tell me? That tells me that his numbers on the season, you know, in terms of his averages are a little bit lower than what they would be in, at full health. And I think that's kind of a good thing in that, yes, he's had the injuries, but that kind of held him back a lot this past season, like you already said. And so one has to kind of think if you if he's not hurt, what would if he have done this past season, you know, I think he wouldn't have been averaging because his, his numbers, by the way, are 10.4 points per game from last year, four rebounds and one assist. I don't think those would have been his numbers had he played a full healthy season. I think he would have averaged quite a bit higher. And I think even at the end of the year, he probably would have been looked at as more of an option for Duke um, over some of their other players. And so it was an unfortunate situation and the injuries will be an issue for some teams. But there's, I think there has to be a few teams that look at it and say, you know, we're getting a guy that other teams are going to pass on because of his past, but he has the potential maybe that's higher than a lot of people have seen so far just because he's been playing through these injuries. And so I think he'll be fine in the long term. I will say that his athleticism has just been killed out of his game because of the knee issues. Like he, the, the few games that I saw of him this year, he doesn't jump high. Like he simply is not a vertical threat at all. Defensively, he's kind of a two-step jumper and a two-step uh, player. And so he's not too laterally quick. And so it's easy for guys to get by him in one-on-ones as well as cut by him on off-ball situations. And so that'll hurt him. But I think, like I said, in the long term, some teams have to be excited by the potential that he hasn't really played a full healthy season since like his junior year of high school. Yeah, for me, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not going to lie with his injury history. I mean, two years in high school, I think he missed part of his junior and senior year and then gets to Duke and also has another injury. And watching his highlights in high school compared to his highlights at Duke, it's clear that he's lost. I, want, I don't want to say he's like complete, like you said, he's not like completely like useless per se athletic, athletically, but it's clear that he's kind of lost that burst and high school is much more athletic. And then now in college, he's a little bit more slower, kind of below the rim. But I think that just kind of indicates that he's going to need to change his game. And which is why the three and D projection, like I think that's why the three point shot is so vital because you see players get injured like that, lose their athleticism. There are players in this league, like, for example, Russell Westbrook didn't have his athleticism. I don't know, like, what would he be? I don't know if he would be, like, the Russell. He would definitely not be the Russell Westbrook we know today. So there are players like that who need their athleticism. I think what A.J. Griffin showed this year is that 
okay, he doesn't have that quick first step that he used to have, but he can still, you know, he can still work as well. He can still kind of be a little fancy with the way he creates his shots. I mean, hitting the three-point shot at the high rate. So I do think his ceiling is a little bit lim- limited. I, I don't know, like, the extent of the knee injury and if it's something that will probably will get back to normal and something it'll can heal just, like, and it'll completely get back, which I do think it's not like he, like, tore anything from what we've seen. So it seems like sprains and stuff. So that's a good sign. But I think it is something to consider that, you know, he may not be the A.J. Griffin. I think a lot of people are rating him high because they believe that the A.J. Griffin, with the athletic ability that he does possess, I think that's someone who has a very high ceiling and is worthy of top top six, top seven draft pick. I think that's definitely there. But it really – it really just comes down to the medicals. Like I, I would lean up towards the side to be a little bit more conservative with it. I would think that he's not, let's, let's just take it for what he is, you know, right now, just the solid three point player can shoot the mid range. Well, not do too much like um, off, off the dribble, but um, yeah, I think it, it sucks for him. It's, it's capped his ceiling. And had he not had those injuries, I think you're looking at a potential top five pick. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it does affect it a little, but you know, this this he kind of just yeah he he went into it, um, obviously with the injuries and stuff, but yeah, I mean, fighting through it, whether or not you know that does show effort, and that's something you do want to see. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, you don't want to aggravate it that it gets worse. Uh, you know, we saw we saw with Cade. Cade had a little bit of an injury. You know, Killian had an injury. You know, is it is it worth taking another pick that you know, you know he's kind of injury prone? So are you gonna you know miss another year with him or whatever? But I mean, moving on, kind of talking about his game. You know, obviously with the injury, um, you know, like that's affected it. But I still think he's got good elevation with his shot. His stroke is pretty nice, um, clean. You know, he's got a big frame. He looks kind of, you know, he's got the frame of like a Sadiq Bay kind of where he is pretty bulky. And, you know, Duke had a lot of dudes this year that were just kind of huge. Um, you know, like Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels. Paulo was probably the skinniest dude out there because they had, you know, Mark Williams too. Um, so yeah, that that Duke team overall just had a lot of strength and kind of just bulk to them. Um, but yeah, overall, you know, his first step's not the fastest, but it's decent. His, you know, shot creation is, you know, it, a lot of it seems kind of, average above average along with his speed but I do think his athleticism can be there um just you know he's caught he's caught a couple backdoor lobs and everything and had he had a couple putbacks I think there was one I don't remember it might have been like Syracuse where he had one um and it looked like his athleticism was still there I think, yeah, the, the rest of it, it seems pretty average. Like, seems like a pretty average passer, um, things like that, where it's it's not like he's so bad that it's going to, you know, he's going to 
lose you a ton of games, but it's not great where, you know, we talked yesterday about someone like Dyson Daniels where it's like he can be a good facilitator. But, I mean, that's kind of the role of the wings these days. So, I mean, what do you see in his offense? Just he's a great shooter. I mean, we kind of already went over. He's he's a great shooter, but he's not a guy that you're gonna see beat somebody else off the or on, with the dribble. Sorry, and so like he's not really gonna slash by too many guys. I will say in the post and down low in the lane, he's not afraid of contact at all. In fact, that was one of the critiques that some scouts had on AJ Griffin is that sometimes he tries too much to force contact and draw fouls that he can just lead to really bad shot selections in the paint. But yeah, I mean, he's not afraid of contact. That's important. That's always a good thing. You don't want to be contact adverse in the NBA, especially. And yeah, like I said, the slashing is just not there as much because he's just not too quick. But I think that he, if he gets drafted in the lottery, it's quite clear he's getting drafted for his shooting. Like, like we already said, he's, he was a 45% three-point shooter in college. He will be drafted because of his shooting. And so he's just got to excel at that over and over. He's got to work on the mechanics maybe a little bit of just shortening the base and trying to get a little bit more elevation on his jump shot because he doesn't get too much. But, yeah, I think that everything else offensively, I don't think he needs to worry about too much, honestly, just because – he's going to try to excel at being a good three-point shooter. And sure, you know, it's good to round out your game. It'll be important for him to try to do that. But like I said, there's a lot of concerns on the athleticism, the quickness with the ball, and I don't think he'll have that enough to be able to attack somebody and drive by somebody to get a bucket. Yeah, you mentioned his uh, three-point shooting being a skill. I also kind of want to talk about there is also like, I think another, he's unrefined in some areas such as his playmaking. I think that wasn't an area that you really saw much at Duke because he was just asked to just shoot threes. And I think that's something that I feel like it can be developed over time. And if he wants to, if, you, if you're projecting him to be that high ceiling player, that's something that he definitely needs to add to his game. Or if it is there and he just didn't get to show it, then that's something that we're gonna have to see. Also, I think he could improve his ball handling a little bit with, I think, it's kind of basic right now. There's a lot of times that he just got stripped. He got someone just stripped the ball away from him. I think getting better, getting more secure with his ball handling and also having a, a couple of go-to moves. Um, we talked about that, Neil, you mentioned um, go-to moves and how important they are for a player. I think AJ Griffin is kind of locked in on like, well, he only has a couple moves in his bag. He's not really, he's kind of just a, you know, stand-up player and just kind of takes the good shots, takes them as they come. But I think adding more moves to his bag. And this is, I'm projecting him for his ceiling as being like a higher level score. I think that's something moving forward is definitely something he needs to work on for sure. Yeah. I mean, right now he kind of seems like a two level score where he can score in the paint and then he can score on the, uh, around the three. Um, but yeah, overall, I think offensively, you know, I think also Duke didn't do him a lot of good just showing his playmaking um, in terms of that. Like you were saying, he kind of just was sitting in the corner or, you know, he got the ball 
on the wing and just, you know, try to beat them off the drive, but it didn't really show his full potential of playmaking, um, whether or not it's there um, is to be determined, but we'll see about that. And then we can just talk about his defense. We don't really have to go positive, negative. We can just get into it. Um, there's, there's a little bit of skepticism, just kind of he's a little flat-footed overall. Um, whether or not that's from injury, you know, to be determined. But yeah, he seems a little flat-footed, but overall he seems like a pretty at like above average defender. And he's got the good length to do so. He's got the size, um, you know, physicality. Um, what else do you see in his game kind of? Um yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not going to lie. I there he's not a player that I think is like his defense is like a liability. He's not a player that I think will get played off the floor, but it's it's not something that he like excels at. I think it's for me, I just saw someone that was just like you said, flat-footed, but just a new an average defender. It's not it's not like it's not a selling point for sure, but it's not going to yeah, get rid of him. I think he's it's a place where he can improve and get better at cuz he does have the tools. I mean, AJ Griffin, I mean, he has the physical build to be a good defender, but I think overall at Duke, I mean, he didn't really get, you know, he didn't really have, he was defending. He wasn't defending the best player. Let me say it like that. He wasn't defending the best player all the time. So you didn't really get to see the full, you know, AJ Griffin defensive exp- experience. And I think a lot of his game much more is on the offense, which is why, it may be a little bit of a pushback to the pushback to the traditional three and D that people are calling him. Cause I don't think his defense is something to like rave about. I think it's just, I would just classify it as average. I don't have much. I mean, he'll have some good plays here and there, but there will, I think they're better defensive prospects for sure than AJ Griffin, but they're, they're worse defensive prospects. This is pretty basic analysis. I don't know if you guys have more to add, but yeah, I wasn't like too impressed by it. I, I thought he was solid. Like an, a, de- a passable defender. I'll say that. Yeah. So I don't know. I would actually say that he's a below average defender. I don't think he's as great on that end. I think the idea of when I was saying three and D player in the NBA is just that I don't think he has many other tools or possible abilities to turn into much more than a three and D player, to be honest in the NBA. But right now, his defense isn't there just because he really – you can see that the athleticism has just killed his lateral quickness because he gets beat so often on ball where a guy will just drive by him and he just simply can't keep up. He fouled a decent amount um, off when, you know, when he get beat on the perimeter. He would just get back and then foul because he couldn't keep up. And so those are going to be big issues in the NBA and for good reason, because you can't have a guy that when he gets switched onto a a quick guard, can't keep up. And so, you know, I'll also say this is referring back to a YouTuber, by the way, got to give credit to uh, Adam Spinella, a coach basketball scout. He, uh, he said that, at Duke, he missed rotations to the point that Duke had him face guard guys. And you can watch some of the tape um, where he just, he simply can't keep up with guards. He doesn't have the quickness to, and 
like I said, on ball, even with some of the wings, he, he struggles to have that lateral quickness. And so he's going to have to try to learn certain uh, techniques with defense of like trying to force guys towards baselines. You know, the thing that all coaches say, if use the sideline baseline to your help on defense, every coach says that um, because when you're not as laterally quick, you got to use those things and your help defenders, by the way, to be a better defender when you're not as naturally gifted is what I mean. And so he's going to have to work on things like that because like I said, I don't think the athletic tools are there as much. I think he can turn into maybe an average defender in the NBA, but yeah, we'll see. It's, it's just difficult. You know, I feel bad because you can see how much the injuries has really affected his career. Yeah. I think that that's interesting that, that you found that about duke um but yeah we can move on a little bit to just kind of how he fits with the pistons and kind of you know where do you think he would fit overall like what what would be a good landing spot for him um for the pistons i think his fit i, I mean i'm not gonna lie like anytime you can get someone that can shoot the ball that's just always a win like, I think his skill of shooting the ball at that high of a level, that high, like 45, I think that's higher than Sadiq Bey was the, also the leading three-point score. I don't know what the percentage were, but any team, I think he's a fit because you can shoot the ball well. I think he would fit in right there, play on the three, three spot. I don't think, I think he's one of the players who I actually could see coming off the bench for like a while, perhaps, perhaps like halfway or like three quarters and way into the season until fans are coming after Dwayne Casey. He's like, Hey, put, put Griffin out there, put Griffin out there. And then perhaps then he finally gets a shot in the starting lineup. I don't think they rush him to it. And the team that does draft him is probably drafting him for, I think a lot, if he slips, if he does like fall in the draft, I think it'll be because teams just aren't sure with it. But the team that does draft him is going to be kind of betting in a sense, they're going to be betting on that, that high outcome, which, athleticism everything was back and then the ideal scenarios duke held him back he wasn't able to show stuff they had paulo and other players taking the load and and he blossoms to a star but yeah i think the fit with the i think the fit with the pistons is solid like i don't i don't want to hate it at five no I'm, I'm gonna be honest he's probably out of all the prospects that we've covered i don't i wouldn't be too happy with um aj griffin at five but again, if the Pistons, he's another player like Dyson Daniels, if the Pistons were able to get another top 10 pick or honestly a lottery pick and A.J. Griffin is available, I wouldn't be mad at the selection. I think he has a lot to show. He's, his dad played in the NBA and his dad has coached him throughout this, coached him throughout his career. And I think that's something that's not really talked about. His dad is also like a coach, I believe, for the Raptors. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. He, I think he's like an assistant coach for the Raptors. But having that already in his bag and like learning how the NBA teams practicing that'll be beneficial but yeah honestly there's no like particular one team where he fits because there's just so many ranges of outcomes if he's just a three and D player I think any team will want him but if he becomes like you know that 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 star player then then it'd be perhaps you can start looking at teams like I don't know I don't know if Portland takes him I don't I don't it's it's tricky. It's tricky. I think any uh, my my take is any team can use someone that can shoot forty five percent from three. But I don't know what you guys think. 
Yeah, I don't think the, the fit with the Pistons is really there. I think it's better than someone like Dyson Daniels or some of the other prospects just because, you know, he is a shooter. And we always say on this podcast that Kate Cunningham needs shooters around him. But I think just because the Pistons are picking a pick five, it doesn't really make sense to take him there. And so, you know, I'm kind of with you. If they trade back and got a pick from like 10 through 14 in the lottery, I think, you know, then maybe you take him. But, yeah, if pick five, it doesn't make sense. And honestly, I think A.J. Griffin might fall to the end of the lottery part. And so I think a team that would make a lot of sense, in my opinion, is maybe OKC. Just because we'll have to wait and see what they do with the number two overall pick because that matters in terms of A.J. Griffin's fit with them. But – the Thunder need to start building some shooting around their two good guards that they have in Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy. You know, they need some shooting around those guys because they're good playmakers, especially Giddy. But they, other than those two, they don't really have much on that team. And so I think AJ Griffin can be a solid player coming in there of someone who's going to give you great shooting, uh, help out on the defensive end, and maybe get better at that. And so you know, AJ Griffin, listen, he has a high floor because he's such a good shooter. He'll always, I think, have a role in the NBA, whether that's at that, you know, end of his career, maybe just bouncing around nonstop. I don't know, but I think he'll have a role. I think his ceiling is, you know, the type of, like I said, a three and D player of being a, an okay starter in the league. And so if I'm a team like OKC and he's available at 12 there, I think you take him. I think Charlotte, maybe it makes sense to try to build some shooting around LaMelo Ball and so on. I don't think he's as good of a fit for teams in the top 10. I I don't know. It's tough for me to say in the top 10 or top nine that I would take A.J. Griffin there. I'm just not sure that the fit's as much there. And part of the reason that I'll say that is just because Portland, you know, I don't think you can't tell me that they're going to convince Damian Lillard to come back by drafting AJ Griffin, you know, nothing on the guy, but I think they have to kind of go for some other high potential guy with the real possibility of turning into a star in this draft. The Pelicans, they're kind of loaded already on the wing. So I don't think that makes sense. The Spurs are kind of loaded on the wings a little bit too. Maybe that makes sense there, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, Like I said, I think the thunder at 12 makes a ton of sense to me. Maybe the wizards at 10, Maybe even the Knicks. So, yeah. I mean, like I said before, I think from what I've seen at Duke, you know, we'll, we're not quite exactly sure like how he's going to be, you know, playmaking wise and stuff. Just because I think Duke last year, AJ Griffin is an elite shooter, but the rest of that team, like Paulo, was probably their next best shooter. And after Paulo is probably Wendell Moore or Trevor Keels. And Keels is like he took a lot of threes, but he was a brick show. Um so yeah. So I think maybe that didn't do him a lot of good because they were just like, all right, you're our only three-point shooter. Go stand in the corner and shoot when you pass or like shoot when we pass you the ball. So but I do think at the same time, that does show that he's kind of coachable 
and that you know if there's you know we talk about that defense being a being an area for improvement I think he seems to be very coachable on the offensive side at least but yeah I think for fit with the Pistons you know it's something that we already have in Sadiq Bay, but obviously you can't have enough shooters in this day and age um so yeah taking him off the bench would be something great and that second group could really use it considering a lot of those guys like you know Corey Joseph Frank Jackson you know all those guys probably could use some shooting around them considering like Hami would probably be playing in that role um and then for the rest of that the the draft uh, who else he would fit well with. I think he would actually fit well with Indiana. That's kind of a, a, a little bit of a weird spot, but I think he would fit well with them just because, you know, Halliburton and Brogdon can really distribute. And, you know, he could just, he could sit and probably do the same thing that he did at Duke if he, if they really wanted him to, or, you know, he could, he could offer a lot more just I feel like um, if he stays healthy and, you know, it could be make or break whether or not he's the next Justice Winslow or he could be, you know, I think ceiling-wise, we can talk about that now. I think for floor and ceiling, floor, yeah, probably like a, a Justice Winslow just because he's another Duke guy that never turned out to be as good like as he could be and kind of was you know he had a bunch of injuries in his career so that kind of hurt him but I think ceiling this is a hot take but he could be like a poor man's clay thompson just in terms of how how great of a volume shooter he is and yeah like his catch and shoot like he could be a poor man's clay do you mean do you mean Clay Thompson like after the injuries or before? I mean, I don't know. It's not it's not like long enough that the injury it's not it hasn't been long enough that the injuries have shown that he's been like that much worse, honestly. But I think I think it's pretty different than what he was before. At least like Clay's athleticism has changed a lot, but, but yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. I but like yeah, but in terms of just the volume shooter, it could it seems a lot like that. Um, but what do you guys think? I think I think the clay comparison is pretty good in terms of like like you said, the amount that he'll take shots and so on. I think just because of kind of how big he is and how big he tries to play, I see it maybe being as more like a Robert Covington, that type of three and D player type of deal i don't know um because robert covington i would say is pretty like stiff and so i think i could see that with aj griffin a little bit and so yeah i don't know i'm trying to think of the three and d players i'm just struggling right now but that that type of like role i guess is i think maybe the ceiling or capper on aj griffin in terms of the floor uh it's tough to say but i could I could see him being someone that's, you know, just bouncing around nonstop in the NBA or maybe even goes down to the G League. But that's – I don't know. I think that's maybe a really 
really low floor. I guess I would say, yeah, just like a low rotational player in the NBA, someone who's like your ninth or 10th option or 10th player type of guy. But I, I kind of see him as always being staying in the league and having a relatively long career. Maybe it's not going to be that meaningful or he's not going to have that many crazy minutes and so on. But I think he'll have a decent role. Yeah. And I just want to clear this up quickly. Like, I don't think he's going to reach the level of Clay Thompson, like where he's like an all-star or anything. I know you guys know. No, no I got you. I got you. But yeah, yeah, like he, he could still just be that guy that just, he can just be money some nights and not miss a three. But yeah, I mean, I do kind of want to ask this and I'll let Vinayak talk too. Um, I mean, when you're talking about G League and like kind of falling out of the league, I mean, do you see it more as just, you know, he lost his athleticism or he's just not good enough? Me personally, I don't see him falling out. If he keeps the three-point shot, I don't think he'll – I think he'll remain in the league. The league just values that way too much. And I think if he was a player that, like, couldn't shoot, then perhaps a different story. But if he keeps a three-point rate up, I think he will stay in the league. Um, like Neil said, ninth or tenth, I guess that would be, like, the low-end outcome. If I'm if I'm being, like, a betting man, I just see him being as, like, a – you know, an average, you know, just a starter. I just see him being a starter on a champion – not championship, but at probably this peak is a starter, a player that's gonna on a contending team that hit a couple threes. He'll have probably some some good games, some some nights where he'll, he'll have show the star potential, but overall kind of regress to just like the mean. Which I don't have a player in mind, but I can imagine him being like a fourteen points, six rebound, two one assist, two assists, like that type of player. Maybe I just described Robert Covington, but um. I think that's honestly the the bet, the outcome that I see like the most likely. There is I do like the Clay Thompson one. I I wanted to really throw Paul George like at his high end ceiling, but Paul George was just a much better defender than AJ Griffin was because I do I do like his his the way he scores the ball is kind of similar. Just like the jump the jumper like Paul George also has a little bit wider stance and the way they go up. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys can think of any players that are like really good scores but kind of mid defenders but are forwards i feel like we see that with guards a lot where you have like some average to below average defenders but with forwards like you always just get the extreme cases so that's kind of where i'm at with aj griffin but i think mean player you're just going to get a a starter in the end just a starter who knock down threes and be a player that hopefully contributes to winning basketball that's the hope with them yeah I mean, I think someone with kind of a weird, like, jump shot was Paul Pierce. He kind of had that wide yeah, yeah. base kind of guy that, you know, maybe maybe that's him. He's a poor man's Paul Pierce, even though I kind of hate Paul Pierce already. Um, I don't want to give him the satisfaction of him me acknowledging he was a good player. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he could reach that, you know, multi all-star level maybe he does i mean in this day and age it's possible um just for his style of game but uh you guys have anything else to say about aj griffin before we wrap it up um his situation reminds me of cam reddish he reminds me of a player that was kind of masked at duke 
you know and sometimes i also a player like devin booker like a player sometimes a player being masked is a good thing like in the case of devin booker being like a fourth option or third option but sometimes like camera i mean cam reddish i don't know what his situation is but he's not getting minutes in new york as much so sometimes that's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing he's kind of probably one of the more boomer bust prospects i've seen him as high as i've seen the pistons some people say the pistons should take him at five or consider him and then i've seen him as low as mid mid first round so he'll be a prospect that'll be interesting to watch where he goes on draft night yeah i think that you know we kind of hit on everything already i'll say it I hope he has a good career just because I, I really do feel for guys who get injuries like that. I'll also say, although it seems like he recovered from the knee issues, it, they were sprains. And I think one of them was a dislocation. And so when you have dislocated knees, that's something that can recur a lot. You know, any, anyone who's dealt with that knows that dislocated knees kind of happens. Once you get it once, it happens a lot. And so hopefully that doesn't continue for him because, you know, I think especially before the injuries, he had quite the potential. I mean, there was a reason why he was such a high rated recruit, but even now he can certainly carve out a role and hopefully we'll see that. And, but yeah, he's kind of an interesting spot because you could really see him going anywhere from life. And I said, maybe even at five, I kind of think that's a little too high, but maybe six, maybe, to all the way down to like 14 or past that. So it'll be an interesting story to watch on draft night. That's for sure. Yeah. And just kind of a summary, like he kind of was in a Duke team that is not really a traditional Duke team. They didn't really have um, the leadership that they usually do. Cause I mean, Wendell Moore, was was an older guy but you know Trevor Keels was a young dude who wasn't really a traditional Duke point guard per se um where he's kind of he can do it all he just yeah he kind of is just a big dude but doesn't have the 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 greater vision that most Duke point guards have and you know we'll see what happens with AJ Griffin because you know, you see a Duke player like Shane Battier, who's kind of a mold like him, stay four years and, you know, be that guy um, and be their top scorer. Another guy, J.J. Redick, where it's like, you know, he's a he's a three point machine, but he's also Duke's best player. Um, we didn't really see that, you know, A.J. Griffin at no point this season was Duke's best player. Um, really in any game so we'll see how that transitions but yeah I mean we kind of wish the best for him and yeah that's kind of that's kind of it on him and we'll see what happens on July what 23rd June 23rd June 23rd June 23rd all right, all right. anything else like and subscribe, like and subscribe. <laughs> Yeah, as I was going to say. All right. We'll catch y'all next time.